Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. No, we are so thankful for you guys. You know, to be honest with you, you are um, an answered prayer of mine. I, uh, a few years ago, I, while mowing the grass, um, you know, mowing the grass, it's awesome, right? But it's like the moment that you're stuck with the crazy person, you, you know, it's like there's nothing else going on other than I have no choice but in this moment to talk to myself. Um, and so you just have, you know, I do lots of thinking while mowing the grass. So anyways, um, but I was, yeah, mowing the grass a few years ago, ago and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, all I want is to be surrounded by a group of people that really love you that really worship you, that like as far as a community of believers, I believe that's what the church is supposed to look like is we, we gather here for him. It's not like so we can feel better about ourselves, which ends up happening, right, because of him. It's not just so we can have a little social club, but it's that we come and we say we've got this one common thing, um, not that we just all live in Louisiana, but that we all have this common thing, and his name is Jesus, and he's good, and he's Savior, and he's faithful, and he's kind. And so, yes, you are an answered prayer. And so this Thanksgiving, I am thankful for you. And so, uh, um, did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Eat lots. You know, it's the... Now, it's not the only day of the year, but it's like the day of the year where it's almost required that you eat too much. Um, it's like if you don't, you're not doing Thanksgiving right. And so um, at our family uh, Thanksgiving this year, we, um, I ate, and I ate a lot. And then the family member who is hosting our Thanksgiving says, all right, now we're all going to go run a mile around the neighborhood. I'm not lying. I'm completely serious. And they said, uh, and whoever, whichever family comes last has to host Christmas and figure it out. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not good. This is the devil for sure. And, um, and so we get started, and I have a uh, four-year-old who, um, you know, he, I, I didn't want to lose, so I had to put him on my shoulders, right? Because, you know, he's, he, he can run, but running for a mile and making it, and I was like, this just isn't fair. You know, the people are calling the, the, the game, they've got like teenagers who can, they, they run all the time. And so, you see, anyway, so I throw him on my shoulders, we're running, we make it maybe 100 yards, and I look back, and my daughter is, she's not having it. She's like crying. She's like, Dad, my hip hurts. And I'm like, gosh, we're going to be hosting Christmas this year. And um, so Austin runs up. I throw the four-year-old to her. And he takes off with her. And the deal was is that four of your family members made it first, then that, that was good enough. And so I thought, if I can just get four people across, hopefully not myself, because I'm not feeling like running a mile. And so anyway, so I had to care for my daughter, right? So her, her hip is hurting. So naturally, I've got to grab her and walk back to the house and just hope my four-year-old, my wife, and my two older boys make it before everybody else. And so... All I can say is we didn't do great, but we didn't lose. So I think we were like second to last. So um, anyways, so thank goodness for my daughter's hip. That was hurting. 
her hip hurt, so mine didn't have to later. So, all right. Did, did you guys, for everyone who's here, did you enjoy last week? My mom shared about the priesthood. And uh, if, you, if you didn't get to catch that, I would uh, encourage you to go and watch it online on Facebook. We will at some point in the next week have the podcast up from that. But uh, we, my mom began to share about who we are. A lot of times when we talk about priesthood, that doesn't, it's not necessarily always relevant for us. But Peter said that we are a royal priesthood. It means like this, is that you are kingly and you are priestly. And it means that um, we get to actually minister to the Lord. And so today I want to actually kind of stay in the vein, but I want to talk about being a people of his presence which I believe we are. If you didn't hear in January, we're going to be opening this room as a prayer room uh, throughout the week, Monday through Friday. We'll have two different opportunities in the morning and the evening um, to come and just to be in the Lord's presence. And it's not going to be necessarily a time where you come and where somebody's going to play music for me, even though there will be somebody playing music. This is a, it'll be a time where you come and you say, Lord, what's on your heart? What are you up to? You know, I love in 1 Corinthians, it says that in chapter 2, it says that God shares with us the innermost parts of his heart. He, show, he shares the mysteries of his heart. Think about that for a minute. That God wants to share with you his mysteries, the things in his heart. That should get you excited. It should make you want to go and actually ask him, Lord, what's in your heart? I think a lot of, if, if I squeak today, it's because I just sang and... Anyways, I'm not, anyways, just forgive me. I just felt a little squeak coming up. But the Lord, um, he desires that we would come near and that we would hear his heart and what he has. Amen. And so I believe that he has called you to be a person of his presence and he has called us to be a people of his presence. Meaning this is that we actually seek him. Right? Right is uh, we, we seek him. He is, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently. Um, so he is searching for those who would seek him. The Lord, um, he's more interested. In, he, he, the Lord is looking for those who are more interested in what he's doing than what everybody else is doing. And so the Lord's looking for people who say, Lord, what is actually on your heart? One of my, my goal as pastor of this church is not that um, you could come and hear what, um, what I've got going on and what I think we should do. Is I want to be able to present to you this is what's on the Lord's heart, his heart. This is his house. It's his thing. He's the leader. And so we're also going to be talking a little bit as this. The Lord's presence is this. The Lord's presence is his leadership. Jesus is the leader. He's, the Bible actually calls him the perfect leader. He's a good leader. David understood him as a good shepherd, saying he's a good leader. He leads me beside still waters. He cares for my soul, right? I don't know about you, but I want that kind of leader. I find when I'm the leader of my own life, um, I might get a couple things right, but it's, it's much more peaceful with him. As the leader, he's the one who leads me beside still waters. He's the one who gives me rest for my soul. That's him. I don't know how to do that. My, my human nature is opposite of that. 
heavenly, his, his heavenly nature, his fatherly nature, when he's the leader, he leads me into peace. And he leads me into joy. And he leads me into right identity. And he leads me into holiness. And he leads me into faithfulness. All of the things that we are striving to be sometimes, the Lord leads us there because it's who he is. So this isn't about you leading a good life. This is about you following Jesus and and letting him become your life. All right. So I want to actually start with this. Um, I want to read to you uh, out of John 15. It's my favorite chapter in the Bible. This is Jesus talking, and we've shared this a lot. But I want to just dig into this for a moment, and then I want to tell you... um, what we just even hit on some, what we value as a body, what we value as a church, being a people of his presence, okay? Y'all good this morning? Anybody play trivia for Thanksgiving in honor of, anyways, if you know, you know. Um, All right, John 15, if we can put it up, starting in verse one, it says, I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. So Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, my, my father is the farmer. He's, he's the one who's tending, taking care of. It says, he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a great harvest. So you see God's heart right here is he desires that you're connected with him and that he desires to take care of you. Say this, say, God desires to take care of me. All right. The trick a lot of times is to actually let him. It, that, that's more profound than you think. You might say, well, of course I'll let him, but do you? Because every everything that you're holding in your hand is what you are withholding from God. And that means he can't touch it. He doesn't force himself on you. So, the word, he says, the words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. Man, I feel like in this, in this scripture, God initiates everything. He's like, I've already cleansed you. I've already, my words have already cleansed you. Then he says, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. I read this last night, and I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. It says, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. So he's saying this, is I'm remaining in life union with me, what are you going to do? So he's there, he's initiated it, he's faithful, he's like, I'm already here with you, I'm already, I'm already available, I'm already, I've come to the table, I've come to the meeting, I've, I'm already here, not based on what you have done, not based on your goodness or your badness, I've come, uh, and I'm offering life union with you. So he's initiated that. So whatever in your mind to- could tell you that, well, he, do- he doesn't want me. He doesn't love me. If, he, if the Lord only knew, let me tell you, he knows and he still loves you. The Lord knows all the things that you think are your de- deepest, darkest secrets. The Lord knows and he still shows up. He still shows up to bring you back to life. He still offers life union with you. And then it goes on to say, for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live life intimately joined to mine. Man, so you mean that if I'm not intimately joined to you, Jesus, that the life I live and the life that I think is really great is actually fruitless. Right? 
And I'm, not, I'm telling you this, a lot of times we think fruitless life and not being connected to Jesus means that we're these terrible, maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, that's those terrible people that they just do bad things. No, he's talking about people. He's talking, yes, there is that, but it's also the people who are in their own strength thinking, I've got it. I've got it. I can do it. I can do it. I can, I can be holy. I can be righteous. I can do good things. I can do this. And Jesus is saying all of that. It doesn't matter to me. Everything that, that's all fruitless. Only what comes out of dependency on me, intimacy with me, knowing me, that's it. That's the only thing that's going to matter in your life. That's the only thing that's eternal. It's the only thing that carries any weight. And then it goes on to say, um, I... I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. So he's giving us a picture. I'm the vine, you're the branches. As you live in union with me as your source. We talk about you know, the wellspring. It, we named it because it means abundant source. Jesus is our wellspring. He is our abundant source. Jesus wants to be the source of your life. He wants to be your source of joy, your source of peace, your source of holiness, your source of righteousness. None of those things are really found anywhere else. Anything else is just an imposter. Okay? Um, y'all good this morning? All right. Um, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. So he's saying this. Here, here is the, the result of being connected with me. He says, fruitfulness will stream from within you. All right, And then he says, um, but when you live separated from me, you're powerless. You don't want to be powerless. You don't. The Lord wants you to have a powerful life that's fruitful, right? In every good thing. And then it goes on to say, um, if a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. He's saying this again. He's reiterating, when you're not connected to me, it's worthless. It carries no weight. That's what he's suggesting. Not just suggesting, that's what he's telling us. So being, knowing him has to be the highest priority, right? Reading this, if Jesus is saying, life union with me, is the only way, it's the only way, it's the only, only thing that matters, the only thing that's fruitful in life, then that has to be a priority for us, right? You see, your priorities will determine your daily disciplines. The things that you hold valued, they will determine how you actually walk out your life. Um, then it keeps going to say, let's, let's keep reading. But if you live life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. What a promise. I've said this before, but you were designed to have every prayer that you ever prayed to be answered. A lot of times for us, we are praying prayers that are not his prayer. A lot of times we ask the Lord things that... He can't do because he would actually have to go against his goodness to answer your prayer because it didn't measure up to how good he really is. And so I'm not saying that to get on to you. I'm saying that he actually wants to show you the prayers to pray. 
is that's why it's not us just coming and saying, here's my list, Lord. It's, I, I would much rather live my life being an answer prayer to Jesus than just praying a bunch of prayers to Jesus. I'd rather say, Jesus, what's on your heart? Because you already know me. You already know everything I need. And your ideas are much better than mine. So what's on your heart and what's on your mind? Like a lot of times, you know, look, I've got an 11-year-old, and he, um, he is such an amazing kid, but he's also like, stepping into this kind of preteen life. And as parents, we're like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> we're, there are certain days where we're like, you're the sweetest. And then there are some days where we're like, what happened here? Like, we have utterly failed as parents. And, um, and truth is, I could just pray a prayer saying, Lord, fix him. Or, Lord, make that go away. Or I can say, Lord, what's your heart for Jude? Lord, what are you saying about him? What are you, what's your desire? Because the Lord's just looking for agreement. He's looking for agreement. As we open this place for, for prayer, prayer is this. Worship, prayer, intercession, all those things, it's agreement with God. It's that we've turned aside enough to say, Lord, what are you saying? And for worship, you're saying, we come and we say, Lord. There's things that we know about God that we, we learn that we can say about him. But then there's this place where we're saying, God, I want you to show me who you are. And the Lord might say, I'm faithful. I've been, look at your whole life, how faithful I've been. And your song of worship or your, your worship to him becomes acknowledging that he is faithful. It's agreeing with who he is. It's the same with prayer. It's our prayer is simply bringing God's word back to him. God, what have you said? And now I'm telling, it's like when I tell my kids something, that I'm going to do something, they bring that back to me. They don't let me forget. Right? We should do the same in prayer. Lord, you said this. And I believe you. Lord, I agree. Father, I agree. I agree with you. Is this helping anybody? Is a lot of time I don't I wouldn't want you to pray aimless prayers. Or to feel like you have to come and bring the Lord your list. He cares more about communing with you than he does your list. The Lord, the Lord already knows. He is so if you knew how much he loved you, you wouldn't feel the need to come to him with lack. You wouldn't begin at a place of lack, like, Lord, I don't have this. You'd say, Lord, you love me. And you're going to take care of this. I already know it. I already know it. You're good. You've been faithful my whole life. And that's what relationship with the Lord produces, and that's called faith, is I am convinced of his faithfulness to me. I'm convinced of his mercy. I'm convinced of his forgiveness. I'm convinced of his righteousness and his holiness. I'm convinced. And so now there's faith there to believe that the next time that there's something that contradicts that, faith in me says, hmm. I've encountered the faithful one. I've encountered this. Is, he's proved this to me. Amen? And so, all right, I'm going to move on from John 15. Go read it. It's amazing. But the point is this, is that he wants to be with you. He wants to be connected in a way where his voice is producing life in you. He wants to be the leader because he knows he's the best leader. Not out of arrogance, but he knows what's best for you. Like, I know that nobody else can father my kid the way I father them. So I don't want to give up that responsibility. 
And so the, the, the father knows that nobody can father you and lead you like he can. He is exactly what you need all the time, every time. Right? He's confident. He's a confident father. And he desires to raise up confident children. Where does your confidence come from? It comes from that you have been connected in the presence of a confident father. Amen? Who loves you, who takes care of you, who wants to, you are co-laborers with Christ, meaning that he wants to share with you what he's doing so that you can say, okay, I'll do that too. It's that easy. It simplifies it. A lot of times we're running around like, I've got to do this, and I've got to figure out life. And I know that there are parts of life that we carry responsibility, but I don't believe the Lord is absent from any one of them. Not even the most minute thing does he want to be absent from. He wants to lead you in it all. Amen? All right. So Jesus, say this, say Jesus is the leader. Um, Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit. It's how he leads us, is through his Holy Spirit. Whatever in your life is birthed in the Spirit will be maintained in the Spirit. Whatever is birthed in your own strength, you have to maintain it in your own strength. I say that again. Is Life union with him, what we've been talking about, where I am fully dependent on him. I am fully his. I'm dependent on his voice. My source of life is him. Everything that comes from that in my life is what is birthed out of the spirit. That, that is a picture of what it means for something to be birthed out of the spirit. Whenever I'm saying, Lord, I don't know which direction to go. Will you lead me? And he shows you, well, that path was birthed out of the spirit and it will be maintained in the spirit. But everything that you did not inquire of the Lord and go to him and say, I need your leadership, is you building something in your own strength, and you will have to maintain that in your own strength. And I believe those are the things that we need to sever in our lives. Um, so there's kind of two things that I want to hit on. I want to talk about Jesus' leadership versus Jesus' leader. Jesus' leaders could be all of us, could be any of us, all right, where he's saying, hey, I want you to lead. But I want to talk, say this, is that in the kingdom, leaders are those who follow Jesus. The best leaders are the best followers. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? So, um, so values of the church. So this is what we value as a church. This is what we value as the body of Christ is, number one, it's Jesus' leadership, which is his presence. His, he, he is his presence, and in his presence, it's his leadership. Y'all with me? All right. Left side, Jesus' leadership versus Jesus' leader. We're going to A-B some things in just a minute, okay? We're going to have some fun. I want to read a few things to you, a couple of scriptures. Um, Exodus chapter 33, verse 12 through 17. I, I, want, I want you to see pictures of people in the Bible who live this life, that Jesus is my leader. I, I, he, I need his voice. He's good. Lord, I can't live without you, okay? So Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. Oh, Moses was asked by the Lord to lead. So what was his response? He says, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. 
If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. So Moses is saying, I've got to know you. I've got to know you. You're asking me to do something, but I've got to know you. I've got to be close with you. He says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Remember this. Anywhere the Lord asks you to lead, it's because that thing is his. We get into trouble whenever we start calling what the Lord has given us ours. Um, yeah, so he says, remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Man, so the Lord's saying this, this is what my leadership is. It's with you and it's going to give you rest. Just like David understood, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my leader. He leads me beside still waters. Man, it's all throughout the word. Jesus said, come to me, who you, all you who are weary, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. So what is leader, his leadership producing you? It produces life and rest and joy, peace. All the things that you really want, you don't get to get on your own. It requires you submitting to a leader. So then Moses said to him, and which is, this is the most beautiful response, and my prayer is that this would be our response to the Lord. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I want to just, I, my prayer as a church is that we would say this, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. This is the thing that we value more than anything is to be with you. You as the leader. If it's not with you, if we're not walking with you, if we don't have your voice, we don't want to go. We'll do whatever you ask us to do, but you've got to be with us. It's got to be your thing. It's got to be yours. It's gotta, you've got to be the leader. And then he goes on to say, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me? And your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. When we give ourselves to his leadership, you become distinguished. You become what the world is looking for and longing to be. I'll, I'll say this. You don't get to become who you really are unless it's a life fully submitted to the leadership of the Lord. Anything you are outside of the Lord's leadership is not the real you. And maybe for you, you're saying, like, that doesn't make sense. I know me. You, or you might be saying, you don't know me. Like, I don't, but he does. I'd go to say, you don't know you unless you know him. You only find out who you are and what you're meant to live for in Jesus in intimacy with him, surrendered to him, fully his. Amen? Um, Psalms 132, this is David. This is David's, David's turn. He says, sorry, I got the sniffles, sniffleizations. 
Psalms 132, he swore an oath to the Lord. He made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. It goes into verse 7 saying, let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool saying, arise Lord and come to your resting place. For you and the ark of your might... May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing with joy. You are his priests. You are his priests. You are meant to be a people of his presence. That is who we are. If you are a believer, you are a Jesus follower, you are called to be a a priest that lives in his presence, that is aware of him, that is fully submitted to him as the leader. That is our calling. Um, So... David here, he mentions a resting place for the Lord. A resting place for what? For the ark, which is an Old Testament representation of the very presence of God. In the Old Testament, there was the Holy of Holies where the ark dwelled, where his presence dwelled. You are now the Holy of Holies where his presence dwells. Somebody should make some noise about that. You are the Holy of Holies where his presence dwells. He lives in you. He lives in you. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, David bringing the ark of, he's bringing, he's saying, I'm going to, his first act of king, I'm going to make a temple, a place of rest for the presence of the Lord, he says, let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. So I'm saying all this to say is that there, were these, there are these pictures that the Lord has given us foreshadowing, the Old Testament foreshadowed the life of the believer where we are a people who are meant to prioritize his presence above all else. Everything else flows out of that. Everything else that you know of what the church is supposed to be and do, it will flow out of his presence. It will flow from a place of we have been with him. And he is with us. And we are in him. We are vitally connected. And all the fruit that's going to come out of our lives is going to be because this one thing, him. That's it. So... um, You know, in in the Western world, we love doing things for God that can be measured. Okay? Right? We we love, man, I I went and did this. And all those things are good, right? Like, I I went and I fed this homeless person. Or I went and, man, did you see how many people were at church today? Man, did, how many, did, the list is whatever. From your personal life to church life, all those different things. We love measurables. And measurables are good, but here's the deal. Jesus is immeasurable. His presence is immeasurable. So let me, let me, let me, I want to show you the difference, if we could put that back up, between Jesus' leadership and Jesus' leader. Neither are bad, but one is subservient to the other. One serves the other. Jesus' leader serves Jesus' leadership. I believe a lot of people in life, they miss, they miss rest and peace and joy, all the things that he gives because they are stuck as Jesus' leader and they haven't submitted to Jesus' leadership. It's not that he hasn't called you to be a leader. It's just 
You can't be that without that. So, number one, Jesus' leadership, there's the manifest presence. This means this, it's his presence. He's here. Okay? Jesus' leader, there's the manifestation of people. Means this, in one, Jesus is the center of attention. On the other, people are the center of attention. There is a time that Jesus leads us to turn our hearts to people. He has actually commanded us in John 15 to love one another. That's a command. But you wouldn't know that command unless you were living there. You can't do that command unless you're living there. You can only love after you first received love. Okay? Y'all with me? Y'all good? Jesus' leadership, number two, first love. This means he's my first. He's it. He's my first love. Jesus' leader, love people. We just talked about this. So what is it? First, Jesus is my first love. He loves me, and I love him. That's why Jesus said two greatest commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. One comes before the other. You don't get to do. A lot of times we've gotten so busy trying to be good Christians to people, be kind, that we've done it out of our own strength. And we've, we've given ourselves with programs and outreaches. And I'm saying those are good. They are great, and we need them. But they are subservient. They, are, they come after we have become a resting place for the Lord. I believe my, one of my concerns with the church a lot of times is that we give ourselves to a lot of things, but we never give ourselves to him. And what he is looking for, look, David, King David in the Bible, the reason he became leader and king was because he was first someone who just ministered to the Lord. He knew the Lord. That's why the Lord promoted him. That's why the Lord called him to, to do great things. Why, why was he able to defeat Goliath? It was because he knew the Lord in the secret place. That's why he was able to say, this is the Lord's battle. I don't want to do anything that he's not doing. Number three, in Jesus' leadership engages through worship and prayer. Jesus' leader engages in training, teaching, and preaching. Both are good, right? Just one comes before the other. If we teach, look, I, there was a, um, I believe it was in the Welsh Revival in the early 1900s where someone said, or actually the leader of who, the man who led that revival, he said this, he said um, the, the, that Wales has been um, taught to death. They've been preached to death, is what they said. He's basically saying this, is that they need the presence. A lot of times in church we know a lot, but we don't know him. Knowledge puffs up, but love covers a multitude of sin. Who is love? He is. That's who he is. Knowledge is there, it's good, but absent from knowing him, 
Uh, it, it doesn't carry a thing. I've talked to lots of people who know the Bible, but they look at it from the wrong lens because they don't know him. Amen? He's a good leader. Number four, or did I, yeah, number four is Jesus' leadership is presence-focused. We're focused on his presence. Number four we're present, um, for Jesus' leader is we're presentation-focused. Instead of focusing on him, we're focusing on what it looks like. Is it appealing? My, my heart is that we would gather not so that any of us could be impressed with anything other than him. I wouldn't want us to leave thinking, man, worship was so good. Instead of it being like, like the band really killed it. But instead of being like, man, and that's okay. It's just if we aren't first really impressed with, man, he, the Lord was there. Did you feel the way he came corporately as we gathered? I'm impressed with that, that he came. You know what I, what I love about the presence of the Lord? It's a good indicator that he likes what's going on. He actually wants to be in the room. <laughs> um, number five, Jesus' leadership is immeasurable. Number five for Jesus' leader, we're measure-focused. Again, both are good. Just one's better. Um, number six, Jesus' leadership, it's leaders following Jesus. Jesus' leader, it's leading men. Look, Jesus called his disciples. He said, no longer will you... He said, for now on, you're going to be called fishers of men. They were called to lead men, but they first had to learn to walk with Jesus. Jesus was saying, hey, I'm going to turn you into a fisher of men, but come and walk with me. Watch me do it. Get my nature. Get the, get, I want you to show you how I do things. I want you to show you who I am so that you're not just trying to be something that you weren't called to be. All right? Y'all good this morning? All right, number seven. One thing, Tim. Jesus' leader, number seven, many things. Number eight, Jesus' leadership, we're learning to steward his presence. Jesus' leader, number eight, growing gifts. Gifts are awesome. I love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are for now and for today, all of them. And Paul said that we should desire them. Paul actually said like this, is that you should lust for them. He used strong language saying that, why? Because the gifts are for the body, they're for your encouragement. But I have seen where we can be so impressed with gifts that we, again, are less impressed with him than we are the gifts. That's why I love that song that Carl sang. Don't y'all love Carl? He sang an amazing song. Um, that song he sang where it's like, I just want you, nothing else. I'm not here for blessings, even though we get blessed. That's the thing. It's like, I've showed up for you, and in the process, I got blessed. But I'm not showing up saying, Lord, I'm just here for the blessings. It's like, no, Lord, I'm here for you, 
And I just, I know I'm going to get blessed. It's like, I, I know what happens. It's like my kids know when they're with me, I'm probably going to buy them something. They know that's happened. But I don't want them with me because I'm going to buy them something. I want them with me because they like to be with me. It's going to happen. But I want the relationship. I want you to know me. Right? So it's 1130. <laughs> Mr. Wayne said, so what? So we're just going to keep trucking. <laughs> All right. So there, there was eight. If, if you need those, we'll keep them up for just a minute. I apologize if it's a little blurry for some of y'all. Um, we'll fix that. Um, so the presence of the Lord is what we value. His leadership, right? His leadership. His leadership is life. And the number one thing that we're going to value as a house and that I pray that you value as an individual would be his presence. You need his presence whether you know it or not. You were actually designed to have him as leader. You were designed that way. You don't function well any other way. I'd say this is all any dysfunction in your life is a result of Jesus not being the leader in that area. I'm not saying you don't walk through hard things, but what did David say? He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, death, I will fear no evil for what? For you are with me. Yeah, you walk through some hard stuff, but guess who's with you? Guess who the leader is? I can just say, Lord, it's hard. This is actually, this is tough, but you're the leader. Look, we, we a lot of times we go through something hard and we think, well, the Lord is left. And the truth is the Lord might say, I've been leading you right through that. What had happened after Jesus got baptized? Woo! The father descends, or a dove descends, the father's voice comes, celebration, then Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm actually here to lead you into the wilderness for 40 days. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be hungry. It's not going to be fun. But you're going to come out, and it's going to be awesome. You're going to come out full of power. You're going to come out full of strength. You're going to come out in something. Everything that you need, everything that you need for what I, the, the Father's called you to, he's, he equipped you in the wilderness. He equipped you in the hard place. So a lot of times we're praying that the Lord does something in us and then it gets hard and we're like, and the truth is, is that you are living in an answered prayer. You're in the process, right? And so he is a good leader. Just because it's hard doesn't mean he's not the leader. That's the time when you need to make sure, Lord, did you lead me into this? Because he'll give you peace in the middle of the mess. I bet it was Jesus, you know, when Jesus, the, the disciples are on the boat in the middle of the storm, right? And Jesus is sleeping. I can just see the intentionality of Jesus. Like, it was probably his idea to get on the boat. He probably knew the storm was coming. Maybe sent the storm there. I don't know. And then he went to sleep. Yeah, you know, we're sitting back like, Jesus was just the man. He was like, he was like, I'm about to, like, it, it, the disciples, you know, he gave them a rough ride. It was like, he was messing with them. He was messing with them. He was like, come on, I'm gonna, I want to show you something. And they're like, Jesus, we're going to die, and you're sleeping. And he stands up, and he's like, in the middle of something that seemed life or death, he's like, when I'm the leader, this is what happens. Peace. That's his leadership. When we're the leader, we're like, we're going to die. 
When he's the leader, he's like, hey, peace, be still. It's all good. Yeah? All right. I've got more, but why don't you stand with me this morning? I want us to do this. I want us in our hearts. I, I, well, let me say this. I believe that there's the invitation from the Lord. I know there's the invitation from the Lord for him to be the leader in your life. I'll, I'll say this. As, as for this house, he is the leader. The only way for you to understand what the Lord's doing here is for you to submit to his leadership. That's it. But for your life, I believe the Lord's saying, I want to be the leader. I want to lead you. You hate your job. You're miserable. He's saying, let me be the leader. Let me be the leader. Your finances are a mess. You're trying to figure out. He's saying, let me be the leader. Your children are crazy. You feel crazy too. Jesus is saying, let me be the leader. You've got that addiction, that hang up that you've been trying to kick for a while. He's saying, let me be the leader. I know you've been trying to do it. He might even be proud of you for trying to get better. But the only way you get better is when he's the leader. Father's in the room. You only get to lead your family well when Jesus is the leader. That's it. He's got to be the leader. For our children's sake, we need to let him be the leader. We need to learn to walk with him and follow him. So come on, let's come before him. Jesus, we love you. I was looking for the piano player, but I realized I was the piano player today. (laughs) It's all good. Who needs the piano? Lord, we just love you. Come on, just as a church family, as his body, as his people, Lord, we just say yes to you. We say yes to your leadership. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you as the guest of honor, but as you come, we submit to your leadership. So Holy Spirit, right now, I just ask that you would teach us how to make you the leader. Teach us how to make you the leader. We, we just even right now, we, we repent for not letting you be, lead us. We repent for all the things that we've held as our own. And today, we release our lives to you as the good shepherd, as the good leader, the perfect leader. Come and do what you want to do in this house and to each person here today, every person listening. Come and do what you want to do in this community, in this region, Lord. We just want to put our hands to what you're doing. Put our hands to what you're saying and doing. So Jesus, we honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.